What is up, Fence fam, and welcome to the Fence Expert Podcast, a podcast devoted to anything and everything fence. Whether it's tools, guests, or answering your fence-related questions, you've come to the right place. This podcast is sponsored by OZFence.Store, your one-stop shop for all your fencing-related hardware. Right now, they're offering a free shipping of $150 or more, and if you use the discount code PODCAST, you can save 15% in addition to the free shipping. With all that being said, let's dive into this week's episode. What is up, Fence Fam? So glad to be back with you guys again, virtually as it were. It's always good to see you guys. Hope everyone had a successful week. Hope we're uh, rounding up a incredible year. I think uh, for most everybody, it's been a pretty solid one. Uh, if you read the description, you know exactly who today's guest is. The one, the only, Caleb Roth. Caleb, how are you today? Good, Joe. Good morning. Good morning to you. I we said it before the interview, but I got to tell you, I'm liking this new studio. Well, you just see a little background on it, but yeah, it's coming along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. I don't well, know if it, camera. I don't know if it needs to go way back or where. Ah, no, that's good. That's good. That's a good look. Well, hey, Caleb. First and foremost. Thank you. I appreciate you guys and your family and your company sponsoring uh, this live Q&A every week. It means a lot to us, and I'm sure it means a lot to the audience, so thank you. Oh, I'm happy to be here, man. So excited. Absolutely. Guys, if you're listening on the podcast, what you're listening to is a pre-recorded version of a live conversation I have most every Saturday uh, where we talk about fencing and fencing-related content. Today's interview is no different. Uh, if you like listening to the show, uh, leave us a review. They say that is a good thing. Uh, you know, five stars if you like it sort of thing. Uh, if you guys are watching live, let us know you're here by dropping a comment in the uh, – dropping it. I always I always wonder why they say that. Dropping a comment in the comments below. That sounds a bit redundant, but uh, leave us a comment. There you go. Probably that one. But Caleb, how are things in uh, your neck of the world? Busy. Just like everybody else, I think. Busy getting ready. You know, everything has got to be done before Christmas, it seems like. We always <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. Um, We've been disappointing people for probably the last three weeks that really want to fence by Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, for us, it, it comes down to the weather. We, we can we can get a lot yeah. of stuff done. The weather cooperates. So and, That's uh, true. That's true. For us, it's like it's the schedule set. You know, it's it. I understand. You know, so <clears throat> this one lady I was talking to was very upset because they were getting their kids a puppy for Christmas. Mm-hmm. As a fence guy, I love this idea so much. Everyone should, everyone but my family should get a puppy for Christmas. Absolutely, they're good for fences. Um, but she was telling me, but just they're getting a puppy for Christmas. I'm like, well. I, I'm sorry, but the people that are on the schedule got there a couple of weeks ago. So I can't, we can't bump them because you guys got a puppy. And in my mind, I thought about <laughs> now it was in my assistant principal's office. So this tells you maybe how often I was there, but there's a sign that said something to the effect of uh, a lack of planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. And yeah. uh, in the, in these conversations, I always come back to that. I'm like, I, I'd love to help you, but I could have helped you two or three weeks ago. Yeah, well, that's the story of everything. You know, everybody's, we want it now. You just got to look out. If Amazon ever starts building fences, though, you're going to have to start moving people to the front of the line. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, listen, are you a Prime member? Well, then good right. news, sir. We have Prime spots available for you. You can have it by tomorrow. <laughs> God, I can't. 
Uh, I was going to say, I can't imagine that day, but uh, never say never. I mean, it's, it, I mean, who, who envisioned now it's different, but who envisioned Google going into a local service like promotion, you know? So I never say never. I mean, there's, I'm sure, I'm sure there will be a day. Let's say hello to a few people real quick. We know this fellow. What's up, Roger? Who doesn't enjoy Q&A with Caleb? Oh, sure. Agreed. <laughs> Tyler the Gamer, he's new to the channel, uh, but he he is active in the channel. So good morning, Caleb. How are you today? I'm a new viewer of the channel, so welcome me in. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Tyler. <laughs> Front Rock Fence says, I, listen, you are already towards the top of my list, sir. You are now that much higher. Uh, how do oranges communicate with one another? They speak Mandarin, of course. <laughs> and i've seen this joke a different way too where it's like uh why how, why did the two orange are why couldn't the two oranges communicate and like well one was mandarin <laughs> uh i love a good orange joke you put those in the comments i absolutely will read them i promise all right we know this guy also justin how are you sir uh again actual photo of justin i think in the uh in the uh, t uh thumbnail there yeah, that was I, when he was right after his bulk, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we provided 323 turkeys for Thanksgiving to soldiers in Kansas, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. Holy cow. Thank you for everyone's support and donations. Agreed, agreed. Justin, I need to get you uh, my email address. So I saw – so Justin sent me a message about this on Messenger. And, guys, I'm not super active on Messenger, so I saw it way too late. Um but get with me next year. I'd love to be able to help with this. Justin has a question for you, Caleb. Uh, he's getting right to the meat and potatoes of the conversation. Is there a schedule of what's happening at Stain and Seal University event, February 8th and 9th, 2024? I don't want to talk about it. No. Okay. <laughs> of course, there's a schedule. It's different, though. Different, different than before. We'll, we'll, we'll let you in on it in a little bit. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Uh, so let's talk about Stain and Seal University. 2024 we had a link in the first comment uh mark why don't you go ahead and drop a link again for so the people that haven't registered can register yeah he's on the ball there we go so so what what for someone that hasn't attended state university can we give like a thirty thousand foot view what what is it what happens there well you know a long time ago, I was a fence guy and I wanted to make more money because I didn't make very much money being a salesman for fence company family business. We didn't really know how to do the business. We didn't have our margins right. So there just wasn't a lot of money to go around. Sure. And, um, and, and a voice from above told me I was going to stay in fences to make that difference and money up. And I listened uh, to that voice. And um, some of you can imagine who that was that was talking to me. And so started staining and it changed my life, made my made my life better, made it so my wife could come home from work. Uh, give me lots of gray hair over the years, but, but, but it's been a good ride. So I just figured if the stain business was good for me, that it would probably be good for some other people too. So um, I am passionate about helping people get better at business so that they can be better for their family and provide a future and security for you know the next generation. And uh, the only way I know how to do it is through the staining business. So we just have Staining University to do that. And basically you come down to Nashville, it's free. And um, we teach you as much as we can, you know, the high level topics, you know, the, the big stuff, um, mm -hmm. 
as much as we can squeeze into a two-day period. Sure. And um, we bring in other experts and, um, you know, we let you, we squeeze them for all they're worth too. <laughs> and, uh, and that's pretty much it, man. We just want to get you down, show you the business, show you the opportunity, show you the basic fundamentals. And then we figure that um, we're not, you know, part of it has to be just like getting your toe wet because mm-hmm. if, if you really become interested in something, then you will, you will uh, learn you will, you will seek the knowledge, seek yep. and you shall find. Right. Yep. And so we, we want to open the door, let you peek inside, let you see what the opportunity is, let you see what's there, what, what it could be like. Um, but the rest is kind of up to you. So we, we kind of make it real easy um, for you to figure it out. You know, maybe this is something you want to do to see what it would be like. And then we provide other resources along the way and other, in other ways uh, so that you can get a deeper education on what you're doing. And uh, our goal is that a bunch of people come to the show and, and hopefully it could change their life or, or make them make some kind of impact for them somewhere. Well, absolutely. And, you know, this we you guys, how long have you guys been doing these, Caleb? Uh, I think this will be the fifth year. That sounds right. So I so I think I came in on I think I attended year two, maybe. So that sounds sounds right. Probably four years. 2019 was the first year we did it. I'm pretty sure. Well, no, because 2020 was a virtual event, wasn't it? Or no, 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 no. No, no, 21 was a virtual event. Because yeah. 20 would have been right before everything cut loose. I don't think we canceled it in 2021. I can't remember. Okay. I think we it and we did it anyways. Okay. Because I remember being worried that the county was going to shut us down, but they didn't. Yeah. So. For some reason, I thought there was a, a virtual we, year. We did a virtual event in December of 2022. That's right. That's right. I'm getting all these yeah, confused. Extra one, and then we've done a bunch of them, you know, in Canada yeah. and Pennsylvania, yep. St. Louis, on site. Yeah, Brickfield. Yep, we've done them yep. all up. Well, I say that to say, you know, we see some of the same people year on year, and in talking with them, they're like, I didn't. And, and there's always a handful of these guys that say every year that say, I haven't gotten into it yet. I want to see what it is, but then it's neat to see them in subsequent years saying. Yeah, man, I'm doing this part time on the weekends when I have time, and then the following year it's well. Now I scaled back my full time job to part time, and I do this also part time, and then you know taking the leap, stepping into it full time. I think there's a few guys that we've been following uh, over the last several years that are just about just about there, and, it, and that's fun to watch. It's fun. My wife corrects me and says 2017, but I, I would argue okay. that I don't think that that's correct for quite a while. We'll find out when you know, she'll straighten me out, right? <laughs> yeah. She listen, I know your wife, she'll have all the supporting documentation. Yeah, she's she's have a file on it. yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yep, absolutely. But th- the point is, you guys have been doing these for so long, we get to see people that kind of throughout their journey, right? And I think that's one of the things that I think is really special about this event is it's obviously practical application. Here's how you apply this thing, here's some things to think about. You know, here, get your hands dirty, get you spray it so you can get a feel for how thick it needs to be. And this, how do you handle like a shadow box? How do you get behind this and over that? But then also there's a ton of just how to run the business, right? Because we see in fencing, we see guys that are great at one area. They're great at building fence, but then they try to transition that into a business, start their own company. And that's usually where things kind of fall apart over the next several years is, Running a business is a lot different than doing the trade. 
Yeah. Right? So you guys, you specifically, Caleb, spend a good amount of time saying, here's, you know, here's how you run a business. Here's some things you need to think about. Mandy comes up, talks about, hey, here's how we bid jobs. No numbers involved, but here's what we think about. Here's how we measure. Here's kind of how we calculate square footage and how much stain will cover a square foot, that sort of thing. You really walk people through the business side as well, how to be successful, both practically with applying the same, but also behind the scenes in the office. It's fun, man. I, I really like it. And the older I get, the more, the more I, I, um, so, so this event is obviously, um, you can't do the, you know, the, the college algebra level thing and sure. basic math on, in the same event. Yeah. So we always, so I always struggle with that every year. I have this feeling like we're doing the same thing over and over. So we got to change it up, but, um, but it is, it's very much the fundamentals are what works. The basics are what works. So I think yeah. that's important. I've been down a path the last few years on, on more um, business side of things like uh, sure. strategic planning and, and just hiring great people and things like that. And so I like to share that stuff. Yeah. So we sprinkle it all in, you know, along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, this, I mean, obviously I enjoy attending year after year, but I think, so this event is great for guys and gals, either anywhere from thinking about it, haven't really pulled the trigger yet through to guys like Justin that come every year. Obviously Justin is absolutely killing it in the staining game. But I think he would tell you he gets little nuggets every year because it's, it's hearing something not for the first time, but the first time that it resonates, but it's also just, meeting people it's also the networking that happens in between speakers and after you know after hours sort of thing as well yeah man it's uh it's the way it is it's you you learn when you're around people who are bringing stuff to the table so absolutely that's what we, like. that's what we do i'm not used to this big light in my face in this new new place <laughs> there's, there's spots out here in front of me uh-huh. yeah you know it, it uh it it takes some getting used to it's like Staring off off center on the sun, basically. Yeah, like, I always think we should wear sunscreen. Yeah, so I, I feel like maybe I'm looking like I'm losing <laughs> my here. No, no, no. Say hello to a few more people. Michael Greenfield, Caleb. Do you know Michael? Have you met Michael? Where's he from? Yeah, been America. So he's in St. Louis. Oh, next time we're at fin- I said next time we're at Finsec here in a month. I'll uh, I'll introduce you guys. Great guy. Oh, great guy. What's up, Michael? Clint, hello, Clint. How are you, uh, Clint? With NAFCA, so I always struggle. I want to say it's IMS, but then I immediately second guess myself as soon as I'm getting ready to say that. I just know him as NAFCA Clint. That's how I know him. Clint's the nicest guy in America. Yeah, that is absolutely the truth. That's so nice, man. You that is absolutely the truth. No, we had a great time. So uh, Clint and I last saw each other at the NAFCA service event there in Arlington. Uh, we had built, built some fence there at the uh, National Cemetery. And we had a little bit of a business, not a little bit, we had a day of business talk as well. So always good getting into those. Pro Wash, Missouri. What's up, fellas? Good morning, fellas. Good morning, Pro Wash. Robin Evers. Is it Evers or Evers? Uh, I think it's Evers. Uh, Robert, good morning. It might be Eva's. It could really be anything. I need to just commit to saying something, whether it's right, wrong, or different. 
If you say yeah. it with enough authority, they might begin to question it themselves. <laughs> you know what? Why do we say it this way? Yeah. Bro, Wash, great question. Is there going to be an event in Springfield, Missouri this year? Well, the events typically were in November, so it's it's a no for this year. Things are just – everything was up in the air this year just as far as scheduling goes and as far as our schedule goes here. Uh, we weren't able to we weren't able to pull it together. Justin says, we're doing another turkey drive for Christmas if you want it. Absolutely. All donations are welcome. A dollar to whatever one can afford to give. Absolutely. Um, Justin, we're in. Ozark Fence is in. I want to make sure we make this happen. Oh, here we go. Yeah. First university was in 2017. No offense, Caleb, but I'm going to defer to Ashley on this one. Just I'm not afraid to die on a hill, so... <laughs> Justin says, going into my 10th year of being in business as a sailing company, I look forward to the event every year. Highly recommend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we were expecting number three. Now that automatically suspect because there's a lot of extra hormones and things going through women when they're expecting. So I don't know if we can trust this information or not. Can we... Can we, is there a is this like live where you can press a button and it rewinds everything just to save Caleb when he goes home? That's that's not a comment that we want out there. <laughs> Nathan Dallas, what's up, Nathan? So uh, protecting your radius podcast. If you guys listen to podcasts, you should absolutely check them out. Actually, they're on YouTube too. So no matter how you consume content, you should check them out. If we have a desire to grow, we have a desire to go to the next big event and learn. Listen to that. Nathan, I like that a lot. Absolutely. Oh, that coffee's good this morning. Justin says, nuggets every time I attend. When I implement those nuggets, I see immediate results and growth. 100% recommend attending. You know, absolutely. And this is the point. Is, is There's always like little things to take away. But KLB hit on it earlier. It's a free event. Like there Now, it's free to attend, right? Like you still need to get yourself there and, and find a place to stay, that sort of thing. Um, but... The cost to attend is zero, and it and it has been from the beginning. Uh, why is that? Well, because um, I can tell you why. Because around me, everyone um, everyone always told me, "Man, what you have is great. You need to you need to sell this. You need to to um, you need to do something to monetize this information, this knowledge, because that's what everybody was doing, courses and all that." And they said, "We can build yep. it for you. We can do all these things." And I didn't feel right about it. It just bothered me. I couldn't figure it out. And um, and then also I saw this extreme um, level for for me for for it to be something I would want to pay for. I, it would have to be an extreme level of uh, um, the level of it would just have to be high, right? It'd have to be some really good information. And I just decided, you know what? I'm going to do it for free. And when I when I decided that, it was like the weight of the world came off my shoulders, and it gave me free complete freedom to do whatever I wanted with it. So, um, so yes, it is free because, um, I want it to be free. Why, yeah. why should we have to pay for, for knowledge in the, in a world of, in the age of free knowledge? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the thing is, uh, for quite a while, it's been, um, courses and coaching. Like that's where everyone yeah. kind of flocks to is cor courses and coaching. Um, well, most of the time, the people that are selling courses and coaching, may or may not have a very good track record or pedigree. And um, 
and what I find is the people that um, typically do have the really, really good pedigree are generally those they're too, they're too busy running their business to spend a whole lot of time creating courses and things like that. But when they do give you something, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I think another point to this too, keeping it free is, is I don't know that you would see the same faces year on year. You know, if there was a, if there was a fee attached to it, I think there would be a little bit of, well, you know, I paid last year. I went last year. Maybe I skipped this year and go next year. And keeping it free also keeps a lot of those, a lot of those regular attendees in the seats. And like I said, a tremendous amount of value comes from between speakers and after hours of the events, just networking with those people. So I think you would probably end up losing value yeah. uh, by not having those people attend regularly also. Yeah, I think so. All right. The pronunciation was accurate. It's Imes. Okay. Now we know, and we know how to pronounce this one. Jeremy, how are you? Hope everyone is having a great weekend. Andrew, I'm not even going to try it. I hit the brakes on the last name. Andrew, good morning. That's, I, good. that's easy. Yeah? Yeah, that's easy. Okay. What? So, what? what is it? It's Esquibel. It's easy. Yeah. Okay. It put my brain in a knot for a second. But as soon as you said that, it deciphered it. Yeah. Andrew, good morning. Have a great weekend from West Texas, Stain and Restoration. Very good. Very good. Hey, Jesse's got a point, and this this should definitely be talked about at you know at some meeting somewhere. I wish they had a stain category for stain for for stain for the pro awards at Finstech. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair topic. Yeah. I think that's a good topic for conversation with Finstech around the corner. There's gonna be plenty of people to talk about it with. Um Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. Um, I mean, it's it's just a part of the fencing industry as as a lot of other things you see. Okay. Andrew has pronounced the B as a V, and you got it. That's Quivel. That's Quivel. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, would you mind providing your sources for this, please? I've, I've got I've got one for you. You know, Mandy okay. was a school teacher and she had a student in her class whose name was L hyphen A. Guess what that is? Oh, Ladasha. Ladasha. I know this because Jackson has some names in his class, like in his kindergarten as a whole. Because so when we're cutting these pickets, we write their names on them and their height. Yeah. And there were a few on this spreadsheet. I was like, <clears throat> this is. And I emailed like this is the this is the spelling. Did you have it a was an immediate yeah. Did you have a Ladasha in your class? No, no. Uh, my daughter, so my oldest daughter had one. Let's see, she had a girl or a boy is in her preschool class named Dagum. And when you read the spelling, it is Dagum. Hey, I'll tell you a funny story. I've got a daughter named Nora, my youngest. She's three. And um, my wife says, Dadgummit. Sometimes she mash her finger, Dadgummit. Yeah. And uh, one day, Nora says, does something. And she goes, Nora Gummit. And so, <laughs> so, she, so she's thinking that my wife's cussing me the entire time, Dadgummit. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's oh, funny. that's too good. Yeah. We could have a whole episode on kids say the darndest things. Like yeah. it's, I should probably should do a TV show. You know, it'll probably make a good show. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the thing about Nora. If you guys ever get the chance to be around Nora, hold on to your cookies or whatever you've got, because I have learned this lesson the hard way. Um, she still owes me a cookie, and I know this. I will remember that. But so, same university coming up February. Um, where? So it's outside of Nashville. Yes. Where would? Where? Where is it located? How about I give you the lowdown? All right. You got. Staining University, February 8th and 9th, 2024, right outside of Nashville, about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, 50 miles outside of Nashville. Um, we are in a little town called Alexandria, and um, this is the town where we are, where we live, where we're, our, most of our people live here within, within uh, you know, five, 10 minutes of here. And this is the town that our uh, plant is in that I'm sitting in right now. And so we just um, we used to do the show in a bigger city, but we decided to bring it to the small town because it's a small town and we want to support our, our city. Um, there's a lot of people in our town that, you know, are doing coffee shops and restaurants and things like that. And it's a pretty good it's a pretty good risk to take when you when you yeah. try to do things like that in a very, very, very small town with about 800 people in it. So support our town. Um, the event is um, two, two days. It's Thursday and Friday. We pray for good weather. Um, we usually don't get good weather, but we do pray for it. And <laughs> this year we're capping it. So we're going to, we, the problem is we're getting bigger than we can handle. You sure. know, we we, if we advertised it like we did last year, we would anticipate 500 attendees this year. And our venue won't handle 500 attendees and we're not an event company. You know, yeah. we're just not, we're a small service business. Uh, we're, we're a small manufacturing company and we're not in, in the venue and event business. So we decided to cap it. Um, we're going to put a cap on the number of attendees and we're going to, instead of, you know, teaching the same class a hundred times, um, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to teach each class once. And so small, hopefully have a little bit smaller size, still be substantial in size, but it'll be a little bit smaller. We're going to do the classes once, but we're going to do them a little more substantially. Um, and the problem is, is, you know, you have 150, you have three or four classes with a hundred people in them and two people do the hands-on, you know? And so yeah. that's the problem. Everybody wants hands-on training and then two people do it, you know, or if you get five people to do it, two people volunteered and the other three, we had to drag them out of the crowd and make them do it. Sure. So, so we're just going to, we're just going to make the class size bigger and, uh, we're going to go for it. We're going to do a little bit bigger hands-on projects. Um, we're going to do fence, fence. We're going to do wood restoration, which is cleaning fences, decks, log homes, whatever. We're going to do fence staining, deck staining. We're going to do pre-staining. We're going to have an expo center that's open uh, pretty much all the time, but there'll be designated time for the expos two hours a day. And um, we're going to do some marketing stuff, if you'd be so kind to speak. Uh, we'll also have a guy coming up who teaches um, some pretty high-level business stuff, and he's in the wood care industry as well. Um, we're going to have class. So that's going to be business stuff. We're going to do our 101 where we kind of give you the in and out of the business and, and how, how the business is, the opportunity and how to start it. Um, I may or may not have said it. We're going to, we're going to be using the pre-stain machine. So we will have a segment so people can come out and check out the machine. And, uh, you know, we'll have in the expo, we'll have stain products. We'll have the, um, the stain poles the, that are out now, the ice spray poles. Uh, we'll probably have a booth for those guys. We'll have a, a booth for for the gopher wood pre-stained lumber. If you if you can't stain, don't want to do it. Have a booth for that, and you can you can find a dealer for that around you. Um, right. And I don't know who else, but we may have a few other booths. 
And sure. uh, I know our service business, Stain and Sale Experts will have a booth there. And we'll be trying to recruit people uh, to come and <laughs> I love so that. There'll be, there'll be a bunch of fun stuff going on there. But basically, going to learn a lot of really good, solid basics. We'll learn some business and some strategic planning thing. We'll have some great Q&A with people that have been in the business a long time. And hmm, make a lot of friends. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. And then just have, like I said, a, a tremendous amount of conversations between speakers and after hours. It's when you put those two things together, the structured learning. And I think that's one of the things we learned uh, with one of the Springfield events was you leave time in between structured learning just for those kind of conversations to happen organically. And uh, that's it's we can join those two together. It's great. Yeah, and we're going to be like from from nine to three on structured time. It'll probably start at seven thirty, eight o'clock, but yeah. nine to three, and then that gives with a two hour lunch every or an hour and a half lunch window for for eating and the expo. So we're leaving lots of open time to to do the thing you know that you want to do and walk around and meet and greet and eat barbecue, check out cool stuff. You know, are you guys bringing the thousand gallon drum again? I don't know. I think we put it like 26 feet up on a rack yesterday in the warehouse and they strapped <laughs> it down and all this. So I don't know if we want to get it back down, but yeah, we probably will. It's there. It's there. <laughs> very good. Very good. You guys will be attending FinSTech? Oh yeah. We'll have a booth. Right in your backyard. Right in your backyard. Yeah. We've been, a, we've been at FinSTech for many years. The last two years we've been a bronze sponsor. So we're proud to be a bronze sponsor of FinSTech and, and uh, hopefully being in our own backyard will be lots of fun. Absolutely. I can't wait. It's coming up. Probably that's right around the corner. We're about a month away from that. Four so weeks. we're, yeah. yeah, we're about a month away from that. And we're, that means we're about a month and a half away from Stating University. They're kind of back to back this year. Yeah. It's going to be fun times. I was looking at the calendar. I, the way my brain works is like when I, when I flip to the new uh, month on the calendar, my brain just thinks that's like an entirely new month. And I just put it together that, that FinSTech is literally right there with Stating University. There you are. Like this yeah. is gonna be it's gonna be a busy few weeks. But well, we had a good time. So I think figured yeah. they'd go those right next to ours. Absolutely. It's uh it'll be a good time. It'll be a really good time. Uh, Justin wants to know, are we doing a after meeting dinner? And mm -hmm. do I need to start gathering steaks? Fair question. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it's always a good time getting everybody together. Absolutely, and those steaks were phenomenal. They were really good. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about staining in the winter time. So, I'll ask you the question a lot of our customers ask. So, when do you guys start staining again? Really, like like after the winter? Yeah, that's a great question. So, a lot of water based coatings um, and even some solvent type coatings can't be applied below forty or fifty degrees. And if you do apply them below that temperature, they can crack, you know, they can, uh, they can look like a desert, you know, the thousand cracks run across it. Um, so, which would require, which would, which would be a failure, you know, and would require uh, redoing. With oil-based stains though, that penetrate, that are non-drying, they tend to be able to be used in any temperature. So, you know, our stains are used like all the way from, you know, the sign that says, welcome to the Arctic circle all the way down, you know, <laughs> into the Southern hemisphere. So, so you can use it pretty much anywhere in any temperature. So that means if it's 20 degrees outside, it doesn't really matter. It, it will go into the wood. Um, it actually, what we notice in the wintertime is because those, there's a lot less humidity that 
you'll actually the wood will actually soak the stain up even a little better in the winter than it does in the summertime. So interesting. But we're still moving, man. We're still rocking and rolling. We may have um, guys out today staining. I don't know if they're staining or cleaning. <laughs> yeah, we try to get it as much as we can. Um, guarantee you, there's guys out there staining with our product today somewhere. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, if it's dry this time of year, there's guys staining. Absolutely. Yep. So, and I think that's the point I'm glad you made was that that was one of the things we appreciate about the product is that we can go stain whenever. If it's dry, as long as the the product has the correct moisture content, no matter what, we can go stain. Now, we do have to we do have to take into consideration you know comfort concerns and all that. I mean, we're not we're not going out in zero, but but we're also not restricted to you know whatever the restrictions may be 50 or below or or 45 below whatever whatever temperature restrictions might be out there there are none uh, for this product well the thing is is sometimes you know I'm, and i've been here sometimes you got to make your house payment sometimes you you know if you want santa yep. claus to come, you might need to stain that deck and so yep. um, if it's 110 degrees you need to be able to stain if it's if it's 25 degrees you need to be able to stain you know we used to do videos and uh, a lot of videos when I was on the, you know, on the tools a lot more and um, I would make videos. Hey, it's 26 degrees. Here's the thermometer. You can see it. It's 26. We're staining this deck. It looks great. Yeah. You know, there was a reason I was out there is because I was hungry. Right. So sure. lots, yeah. of guys are, lots of guys wear those shoes and, and they're willing to get out and make it happen. And so you need a product that will, will go to work with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, and, and the other side of that conversation about wintertime work is, I mean, that's absolutely the benefit of pre-staining as well, right? Mm -hmm. That you can do it in a controlled environment. Um, that's one of the ways we make work in the wintertime. So, I mean, Grant, knock on wood, luckily we haven't had, you know, many major weather events lately, but in the last couple of years, but, you know, in the event that we are closed for the field work. So our general rule and everyone's different, I'm sure, but, our rule is if school is closed, we don't send the trucks out to the field. So just if they don't want to put it. And so they test this by, do they want to put a school bus on the road? And they'll drive a school bus at like 4 a.m. around the roads, or they'll look at the upcoming forecast and decide. But that's usually it, is do we want to put a bus on the road? If they don't feel comfortable, they'll call school. So my thought is if they don't want to put a bus on the road with kids on it, I don't want to put a truck on the road with those kids' parents in it. Yeah, yeah it, it stands to reason that road conditions aren't going to be good for whatever reason. Um, but to your point, I also understand tis the season. Like it's we Santa's right around the corner, and in January, Santa just came by. You know, so it can be cold without snow. It can be cold without ice. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that's one of the ways that that a fence company could continue to operate or a staining company can continue to operate in really bad weather, whether it rain, sleet, or just temperature uh, is pre-staining is a great option for that because in our shop, it can be 60 degrees and dry no matter what it is outside. Oh, and I think that's why it's so important. I don't, I don't know, you know, some fence companies are going to stain, but the, the, let's be real. Like 98% of fence companies are not staining. They're mm -hmm. just not it because they're they're focused on their fence business so yeah. in, in my opinion you know a fence company is partners with their materials supplier they're partners with the subcontractors who uh, build their fences or install their gates or whatever for them they need to also partner with a good staining contractor because a staining contractor yeah. will complete that service they sure. you, know, you can just refer them or you can subcontract them out and become partners with them and 
you can grow your footprint, grow your business, put food on other people's table and give a more complete service to your customer and have a fence that looks better and lasts longer. So I think it's so important for, for us to get together. Um, you know, having been a fence contractor and having been a stain contractor, both, uh, you know, we're the same people. We're just, yeah. we're just, people. So I think we ought to be friends, work Absolutely. together. And, um, and the thing of it is, you know, if you want to get real, um, a lot of stain companies want to tell fence guys, you know, you need to start staining, you need to start staining. Well, it may not be the best thing. If you're trying to grow a fence company, you may not need to do staining. You may need to have just a good subcontractor that can do it for you, or you may need to, you know, get pre-stained lumber. And there's people that can provide that for you as well. Yeah. And so, um, I think figuring out what the main thing is and sticking with it, but not being afraid to partner with people because you don't have to do everything right. You know, right. if you guys are making a 50% margin on building fence, but you can make a 38% margin with a subcontractor and remove all risk and liability on the road, who's making better money. I mean, so there's something yeah. to look at there. So, um, so my goal is to try to, you know, have friends in the fence business and then have all the staining guys and I can put you guys together. I, I know the people and I can, I can, I can bring you together and make that bond. Yep. So, so that's well, that's and I think you might you might find companies that do a bit of a hybrid. So I was just thinking about our scenario. So we stained in the past, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what happened was was the COVID era happened, right? And so we saw our workforce get reduced, and uh, we had to make some choices. Like, well, we are a fence first company that also stains, so this workforce needs to build fence. That's what we're known primarily for, um, but. So actually, so uh, we met a gentleman at the staining event in Springfield uh, that was from the Springfield area that he stay all he did was stain and all he wanted to do was stain. So I said, hey, I guess, guess what? We've got people that want stuff stained, but we still pre-stain, right? So we have we have shop guys that they'll build gates or they'll cut pickets or they'll just kind of our utility players or just team members um, that also they'll pre-stain. So that's actually what we did. Most of this week, we've got a seven or eight hundred foot job coming up next week. So sent them to stain two befores and pickets this week. And um, but for on-site staining, we refer that out because it's it's absolutely a different skill set. Pre pre dipping and uh, staining on site is mm -hmm. two different worlds. Same same realm, but two different worlds. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. for for fence guys out there that are listening. That pre-staining is actually a really easy way to get into staining. And it uh, it's a way that you can get your fence guys into staining. You know, it's stain staining on site is absolutely a learned skill. You need to spend time on training and proper prep procedures and everything. Uh, but with pre-staining, you kind of take some of that risk out of it as well. Well, and I, I, I grew up in the fence business, and I'm here to tell you, staining is way easier than building fence. And I, and I know a lot of guys who stain for a living would might argue and say, man, this is hard work. And I'm just going to tell you, dude, it's it's not even close. I mean, <laughs> building tents, Milton Seas, hard work. Yeah. Staining's easy. So a lot of times, you know, if you do have downtime with your fence crews and you can put them on staining and get them some real training, um, they'll probably, you know, they may, they may like it because it's easy. Yeah, well, here's the dangerous part, Caleb. They might not want to go build fence anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few guys that were like that. They're like, Hey, uh, can we just only stain? I just want to do this. Like, well, actually we don't have enough stain work to only do this. Like, okay. But when we do, can I just be on the stain van? Can I just only do stain? We don't have to yeah. take any holes. Like that yeah. is the best part of the day. 
you know, and buckets have handles, you know, instead yeah. of you know, carrying them up here. Right, right, right. And they're not that bad. A five-gallon bucket, you carry two of them with handles, good yeah. day, good day. But now, you know, and I have some, there is prep work, and that's probably the part that the guys probably like the least is yeah, just all the pre prep work. You're going to be a little detailed. Yeah, yeah. But there there are worse things in the world than than prepping for same. Are you a good painter? He'll show you how to mask. It's easy. Yeah, absolutely. Billy Grove, what's going on, Joe? Not much. What's going on, Billy? Good to see you in the chat. KDM asked about a 20-hour question. Uh, what is the best way to grow my fence company? I'm going to tell you it's marketing and, and user-generated content, which just means grabbing your phone, documenting you know, if a fence company, right? So documenting your work, documenting your process, putting it out on social media, which is free. You've likely already got a smartphone on your person that has resolution that is way better than the first camera I was using. And it's built, you have editing software built into this thing. You don't even have to, it's pretty slick. So film yourself, film your con, your create your own content with uh, work you're doing and just, Listen, I had this, uh, I had a show, go figure, uh, for Ozark Fence for several years. It was Ask a Fence Guy Friday. We were, we were still, I had, uh, I had just bought the business for my dad. We were wanting to grow. Uh, we had some pretty big growth goals. And I said, uh, to do that, we needed to find more work. And to do that, we need to get our name out there. So we did Ask a Fence Guy Friday, uh, where I just sat in front. Actually, I would put my phone on a tripod, you know, camera's facing me. And I would just sit there and at, answer, uh, fencing related questions for a while and for the first three months it was just my mom in there like hey joe looks good and then she would she would act like she wasn't my mom so she'd be like what's the difference between buying cedar materials and pine materials she's mom, reading the list you gave her <laughs> yeah yeah like mom people see your name they know i think they're going to put this together that, let's just have a conversation instead of like trying to play like the the, the uh you know the educated consumer. But I, I like that, man. I think the best way to grow your fence company is to show zero profit, to make no profit. <laughs> well, well yeah, you, you guys, do you guys remember Amazon back in the day? Oh, yeah. Zero profits. But they, they poured did, it all back in. They didn't make zero profit. They pumped it all back in. Mm -hmm. I, I think I see a lot of guys trying to grow their business and they got, you know, 16 brand new trucks and they got a boat and a 7,000 square foot house and They've been in business three years. Their wife's got the new Bentley or BMW or whatever in the driveway. And, you know, and, and they're wearing like, you know, three Rolexes, a different one every day. And, and it's like life is good. Right. And you're like, what do you do? I'm a fence guy. And, then, and they're doing all this crazy stuff. And then when things get slow or get bad, they, they don't have that foundation under them to make it work. So I, what the, the practice that I follow is to uh, invest back in your business and so instead of buying a lot of stuff, I would invest in, in business, like back into infrastructure in your business. And then the number one thing would be hiring the best in the world. The best, if you could hire the best person in the world in the fence business, it wouldn't matter what they cost. Right. Yeah. It would, I mean, and that's for any business, I think. So, so I think investing back in the business and getting the best people money can buy would be the fastest way you could grow your business. Cause if you brought the right person in on day one like that, you, you might be a $4 million company overnight just by having that experience brought into your company. So I think that's a big deal, man. Yeah, that's a great point. I think, uh, I think a lot of people 
you know, in, in turn, when I say value their business, I don't mean like actual valuation, but people value their business on cash flow instead of profits. Um, I think cash flow is, is a, uh, it's easy to see a full bank account, but not take into consideration the, the long-term payables that might be in there and, and just all the, all the ancillary costs that come with running a business. A lot of guys just see the cash flow like, Hey, we made, you know, six figures this month. Well, you didn't make six, you brought in six figures, but you didn't make six figures. So I think that's where a lot of those houses and watches and trucks come from is they get just used to turning over that cash flow. Like, Hey, I've got, I've got money to support this until the cash flow slows down, well, which I why. think is a situation. A lot of guys are getting into right now. That's why this time of year, especially two weeks after Christmas is the best time of the year to buy bobcats, trucks, boats, uh, house, you know, whatever tools. It's the best time of year to buy it because people, they, they blow all this money on it and then they don't have anything there to support it when times get lame. So yep. be that yep. guy. Well, and and cool stuff for sale cheap, you know, let Joe know, you know, we're always looking for <laughs> good boat something, right? <laughs> not, not, not right now. No, no boat for me. No boats, no boats. I got friends with boats. I'd like those to have are, a boat. Those are the best kind of boats, or friends' boats, for mm -hmm. sure. Like I'll pay for gas, 100%. Fill her up on me. I just don't want to have to take care of it the rest of the year. Like, let's take the kids out. Let's take them tubing. Let's have the best day. And then I get to go home, and I don't have to winterize it, and I don't have to clean yeah. it, and I don't have to insure it. The best boat ever is your friend's boat, for sure. Andrew says it's snowing in Amarillo and we still got jobs for the rest of the month. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. It's um, so what we're noticing, and this is Southwest Missouri. What we're noticing is call volume has absolutely fallen off after about Halloween or so call volume has, has, it's not nothing, but it's a small percentage of what it was, but we're still seeing jobs convert or, or leads convert to jobs. Right. Yeah. So our calendar's booked out. We're, about towards the end of January right now, just fewer calls, but a much higher percentage of those calls are actually converting to sales. So it's, and that, that's, that is the metric metric I watch the most is weeks in production. How many weeks of production do we have scheduled right now? That's kind of, that's one of the things I keep my thumb on just, Hey, how do we need to increase marketing? Do we need to do this? Do we need more weeks in of production? That's important because, because you're, you're talking about something that I get every week and that's a week from every department. I get a weekly report. So what's the report you're getting? Um, what does that report look like? Well, and I'll, I'll be honest, that's something that we need to probably implement is like a structured reporting program or, or, uh, procedure. Um, I usually just check in with everyone like, Hey, what's the schedule look like? Which actually on residential is something that I'm still involved in. Uh, but like, I'll check in with my dad, how many weeks of production do you have? Like, and he handled him and my sister uh, handle commercial and my sister also handles materials. But anyway, um, I'll check in with him. Commercial is always different because those projects for residential, when I schedule my projects, unless weather happens, it's happening. Like the homeowner's ready for it. It's ready to go. When we show up, they're ready to have a fence. Commercial is a completely different world. You know, it's, well, we could, I got a phone call. They're not ready for us next week. We got to push this a couple of weeks, but I've got a phone call from this other contractor. He really needs to push us up. So I'm going to swap those. Weeks of production are always a bit, you know, iffy on commercial. We had this many weeks of work booked, 
but we don't know if it's good when it's going in. We know about when it's going in, but we don't, yeah, you can't tough. say I'm going to be there January the 8th. You know, it's, you, anyway. I'll tell you the report that I get. So yeah. for, for service, so I don't run our service business. I've got some really great people that are way better than me running that. And so what I ask from them is I look at P and L's and then I also look at a report every Friday. I get a report that runs from Friday to Thursday. So when I get the report on Friday, it's from the following Friday to the Thursday before the night before. And so what I want to know is I want to know the scheduling date. So how many weeks of work do we have out? Um, and the scheduling date helps me not only know what cash flow is going to look like, but it helps me to know if somebody calls me on the phone and says, Hey, Caleb, I got your phone number from your, my buddy. I want you to stain my house or my fence or whatever. When can you do it? And I say, well, we're scheduling this time. I'll put you in touch with somebody who can help you. So the current scheduling date. And then I look at number of bids sent and number of bids, uh, jobs that bids that were closed, number of jobs completed, and then the current amount of uncompleted jobs. How much money do I have kind of coming in and cash flow? Um, probably an, an AR line item would be a good one to have on your report too. I don't yeah. have AR here because I look at it at a different report, but my service department, they, they stay on top of the money. Yeah. So they, they generally, once the job's done, they get paid. So it's, it's a, it's a handy thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I think I like your way of having a structured report. I think that's something that we need to work towards. I usually do weekly check-ins where, uh, so Holly handles our accounting. So she'll come in Fridays at 10 and we'll sit down or she comes into my office Fridays at 10. We sit yeah. down and say, okay, we're, what receivables are out there? Which ones do I need to, you know, which ones need my attention? Is there somebody that needs a phone call for me that she's called a few times? Also, what's the ratio of receivables to payables? I just like to know kind of where, where are we right now financially? Uh, and then average days to pay. Those are, I like to watch that. So that one, I think, gives me an idea how our local economy is doing. I think if you see average days to pay start stretching out, uh, one, we need to look at our collection methods. But two, does that mean that there's less cash available in our local market than than before? I don't know. But it's good, man. We we get these um, we get these things, you know. Every department that we have will send us a report. We get it from manufacturing. We get it from our shipping and receiving. We get it from uh, finance department. We're going to get it from sales. We're going to get it from service. It's just uh, it's just part of it. And we've got a pre-stained division now too. And they send me a report. It's a much smaller report because it's a new, new division, but we're still doing it. And so, and then I like to see below that in that email too. So they usually do that in a spreadsheet. So I can just, it's constantly there. And I look at daily sales reports too, based on sales this year, this date, this year versus last year, this day. And then I we tally it all up and I can see the percentage of growth. And then I highlight certain days that are over, over a certain revenue number. We'll get, you know, different colored greens. Um, I've got five or six different greens. So if it's over, you know, what we consider a good day, it'll, it'll be highlighted. And then, um, and then in the email, when they send, I just want a little one, two, maybe three sentence summary of what's going on, you know, in that department. And, uh, and that really helps get that communication rhythm and, uh, makes you a lot more intelligent about what's going on inside the walls of your business. I like that. I like that. And then also you have that to look back on too. Mm -hmm. and you're kind of documenting it along the way. Having data, you start, you know, I used to say, I used to think that I wasn't, well, I'm not a numbers person. I don't want that. But the more 
and I always just made decisions based on gut gut feeling. But now what I've found is that the more I want all the information, I want all the numbers, all the metrics, and I I I look at them, I pay close attention to them, but I don't really worry about them. But I do know that when I make the gut decision, I do have that information inside of me of what's going on to pull on. So I can make a more informed, a better gut decision on, uh, on where we are with the business. I like that. I like that a lot. Is this stuff that uh, we'll probably cover at a high level at standing university? If the question, yeah. Yeah. I, I would, I always think like, if it's a question I have, if I would like, cause I hearing you talk about this, I was like, I need to talk to him more about well, you gotta, Yeah. You, but you gotta have people to do it. You know, if it's just you, sure. It's probably a good idea for you to do it for yourself. Right. Yeah. That's the best time to start is when there's because then when there's no one doing it, it's just you. You know your procedures. You document them. Yeah. So then yeah. when someone comes in, you can say, Hey, here's the report. Here's what's in the report. Here's how I compile the data within the report. I'm gonna hand this procedure to you or checklist or whatever it is. If you do a good job, you can make these reports automatic. Like so we have an an you know, like an e-commerce brand too. And mm -hmm. I, get, I get a report every Friday of, you know, how many customers we had that were new customers, you know, how many repeat customers, et cetera, you know, and we get these reports and eventually the reports just come in automatically. You know, at first you may have to say, Hey, just a reminder. And then I'll, I'll send out reminders no matter what for a while, but then eventually you no longer have to remind the reports just there like clockwork. And then if you're good at it and you got good people, they can, a lot of times they can make these automated. So a, a lot of the data you want is automatic. Like your system that you're using already contains this information. And if you learn how to build automation, which I don't know how to do, I know how to ask nicely to have someone else do it. <laughs> Once the automation's built, um, those reports just stream into you and you can see them. And then if you get somebody who's really good, they can build you a dashboard and you can see every division of your company all of it there and you know so in real time or near real time too so hey we've got some questions on pre-stain i think this is a good conversation to stay in um justin says pre-stain is such an amazing tool to bring into your business whether you're a fence builder or a staining business use off season to meet with builders and build relationships and educate i couldn't agree more or you know so also what we've talked about before is retailers wholesalers mm -hmm. like if you are a fence supply shop Pre-stain is a great product to offer. You know, it's, there's, we'll get to the comment here in a little bit, but there's people that are asking for this, right? There's fence contractors asking for pre-stain material to offer to their customers. Uh, Billy wants to hit on pre-stain color choices. I know a good amount of the stain colors are formulated for older fences and decks. Um, well, Caleb, let's toss it up. So are there, pre are there colors that are more common in pre-stain than on-site staining? Well, generally speaking, if you're talking in production numbers, like when you got to get it, you got to get the job done, like a lot of it in, in a factory operation, you're going to want something that's going to dry quickly. You're going to want something that's, that's not going to be too heavily pigmented because, because it, it's got to go back in a bundle. So for us, you're looking at kind of like these transparent to semi-transparent colors. And, and I'm always going to push it in the middle, you know, where's, Where's the middle? Everything's backwards in these semi-transparent colors yep. uh, because these um, these dry quickly. They uh, they don't they're not going to really rub off on you. If you you know, like if you did gray or something, it's got a ton of pigment gray. It's probably going to take forever to dry. So I would recommend being in one of these ranges. 
We can always do the custom stuff over here in the grays and stuff like that. But if you get doing stuff too crazy, it just slows your dry time down and maybe you need dry racks. The little pre-stain machine that we sell works really great for these colors because you can do it on the job site. And and so you don't have to worry about the drying and the extra time. You could do this greenish gray eucalyptus color. You could stain the boards and then put it right up on the fence and you don't have to wait. But if you're trying to do it in the warehouse and get it done quickly, I would always recommend one of the browns. You know, the big companies like Sherwin-Williams and Benjamin Moore, they always do these advertisements for like the color of the year, stain color of the year. And they're like the stain, the number one stain color of the year for 2023 was this color. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you actually look at the real numbers, it's like cedar tone. Yeah. Cedar tone sold more than you know, a billion units. And then this gray sold 200,000 units. And, <laughs> you know, they are just wanting to push that yeah, one. Marketing department may be a little bit, you know, on an island there, but <laughs> yeah, the Browns are always going to be your, your most popular stuff. So for us, we offer three choices. Now we have access to all of them, obviously, but three choices, cedar, chestnut, and mm-hmm. walnut are the three mm-hmm. for us. And Caleb and I have talked about it. I got outvoted on the cedar or on the chestnut. I like, pecan i i love pecan so much but okay uh so cedar chestnut walnut why that why those three we have a light a medium and a dark brown all brown and so they'll apply well caleb to your point the walnut's a little heavier pigmented and we don't do a lot of it but sometimes i mean if you're looking at a house and it's a there's dark tones everywhere walnut's gonna be it right or if they have these you know, they have some really nice timbers. For whatever reason, they always want, at least in our area, they always want big, chunky timbers and dark colors. So we'll look at a house and say, you know what? I think walnut would be a good choice here. Now, nine times out, maybe not nine, eight times out of 10, the customer doesn't have a preference. They're like, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I love chestnut. I like it right down the middle. Of those three, Chestnut, well, we've got an order on with you guys right now for uh, some drums, I think three drums of chestnut. So we go through a lot of it, Um, but it's a good middle of the road. And it's what, you know, on our cedar boards, it looks, it looks really nice. But so if you had one, one person, my opinion, one guy's opinion, well, my opinion would probably be pecan, but as a company, our opinion is uh, chestnut. We like chestnut a lot. We've, we've got it all stacked up out here right now. Chestnut. Chestnut, yeah. Color, yep. It's If you ask a consumer, like, look at this color chart and pick which one looks, you know, how which one of these would you want in your backyard? I think chestnut has got to be consistently there. It's a nice medium brown. It doesn't look uh, painted. You know, like walnut is really dark. It is. But that's the look some people want. But a lot of people want a natural look, just a, a preserved look, mm-hmm. you know. We do some cedar, though. Some people want it just to look as if it's been clear-coated. And so for that, we'll put cedar stain on cedar pickets. And it, it kind of brings out the uh, – for us, we've noticed it brings out kind of the reds, reds and browns in the cedar in the cedar picket. But, yeah, so three – three. Uh, we like having three options. It, and this is like a psychological thing, right? People want three choices typically. Um, it's why when we're offering fence estimates, we offer them three choices. And and you can, hey, listen, think of this as if it's a good, better, best. I, I can offer you a good in, entrance fence. I can also offer you an improved. And I can offer you the fully upgraded. 
It's going to be pine on pine, no warranty. We're going to build it great, but no material warranty at all. It has a workmanship warranty. Uh, or we can upgrade those pickets and rails to cedar. Or for the fully upgraded, we can upgrade your post to steel. And it's th those are your options. And most everyone goes with uh, option two or three. That's the way it goes. Absolutely. Justin says, just came back from Colorado Springs, helping a couple of businesses learn about staining and prepper procedures. They stained a deck and I helped a little, but they did an amazing job. It's not that hard. There you go. Good job, Justin. Spreading the good word. Johnny said or asked, what jigs do you use to properly install pickets? I saw the video. How did how you didn't recommend using a string line? Yeah. Um, listen, Johnny, this is a whole conversation. And there are going to be people that that are they want they'll only use string lines, and that's fine. If that's how you learned, then that's how you learned. I'm I'm just gonna be real with you, man. I mean, the internet may be full of guys using jigs, but the world's full of people using string lines. So yeah. You know, so one is. thing what I think there's more, I think there's a larger, I think there's more chance of error. There's a, a higher margin of error on string lines than there are jigs. I think if, especially oh, I, if you're training new guys. I think that may be so, but again, you get somebody good with a string line. If they've been taught, you know, it's pretty easy. Yeah. yeah. We still use a jig. Um, just it's, like I said, lower margin of error. Uh, but this is the thing, right? So this is the epitome is is two different. You'll get two two different opinions. You'll get listen well, I, if you ask twelve fence guys, you'll get eight eight opinions. I think it's like it's no different than like chain link, like commercial chain link wire ties. Back yeah. in the day, man, <laughs> look, like guys can't do it now. But back in the day, these guys were taking these big what six gauge chain link wire ties, and they were twisting five thousand foot a day, and they were just rocking and rolling on it. Now we use a drill. And now nobody can twist the ties, because, yep. you know, and, and so people would say, well, which one's, you know, better or which one's faster. It's like, well, you get take a guy from 1983 twisting them by hand. He's probably faster than the drill. But today yep. um, the drill's probably faster. So I guess I guess we're just evolving. Yeah. So to the question, what jigs do we use? So uh, we weld up our own. Uh, we use aluminum jigs just because they're lighter. So we'll weld those up. Um, I'll say this. So Mr. Fence sells a, they sell a pre-made jig. I think it's a slick tool. Um, I understand there's people out there that have different opinions on, like I said, really anything about buying tools versus does building it, tools. Does it make your fence look choppy? No. So no. not if you follow a great, I mean, you got to adjust it, right? So you got to adjust for flow, but no, it, it typically doesn't because you're, well, everyone's process is different, but we established the top line with our top two by fours. Mm -hmm. So the jig really rides on that top two by four as it flows over. And how are you laying out your top two before the string line? So, no, no. So they'll measure. I'll scratch you there. No, I know, but they don't. They don't. So the top two by four, it's, it's done by eye. So our foreman will set back while the guys are, I mean, he'll, he'll mark all the posts at the measurement. And then he'll have guys hold two befores and up, down, up, down, up, down as they go through. And um, then there's a jig that a jig that sits on the top two before that holds the middle and the bottom. So then he can have one guy go through there and rail all of them. And then he'll follow with the jig that sits on that top two before and goes. Nice. But yeah. Uh, check out Mr. Fence Tools. I think Sean's doing good things for the industry. I think his tools are good for guys that don't have the um, time or ability to make their own. 
Making all things new says my my Black Friday is a week before New New Year and a week after New Year. Huge discounts on tools and equipment from businesses who overextend themselves. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think so. For whatever reason, there seems to be a trend. So guys figure out that um, a lot of their personal property tax is assessed on what you own January one. So they usually like to sell it by the end of the year, so they don't pay property tax on it the following year. Um, and then they'll go buy new stuff after first of the year. But, uh, so, so right around now we start seeing tools and equipment come on. Come Gotta on. be more expensive than paying the tax though. That's, that's kind of what I, is it worth the effort? Like that tax is not that for us in Missouri, personal property tax is not, not that bad. We don't, you know, in Tennessee, we don't have personal property tax. That's nice. That's that would be nice. But I say that for all the for all the things we have. So now for us, personal property taxes, all the office equipment, uh, I mean, down to phones, computers, et cetera. It's vehicles on contents. Oh, man. Tennessee businesses do. We are free. So and then, of course, vehicles, equipment and all that. Now. It's a bit on the honor system. So you are going to tell them. Like, send us a picture of your office. It's like there <laughs> in it. No, here's the thing: is I want it to be fairly accurate because I don't want. As times get get lean, tax mm-hmm. collectors are going to get a little bit more aggressive, right? They they got to fill these budgets somehow. So I don't want anyone from the city or county to stop by and go. Well, that's weird. You said you've got two computers in this office and I'm at the front door and I count four. That's odd. Let me see what you got. So we, we keep it And Here's the point. We keep it fairly accurate because I think for contents and all that, I think our tax bill was like three grand. So it's, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm I'm not going to uh, tempt fate by trying to go to that down. Three grand is still, it's a shame. I I don't disagree. I mean, it's it, it's funny. The older you get, the more you understand the taxation is theft type thing. It's like, hmm, I I can relate with that movement. Uh, Candace says, I don't know what I missed, but if it hasn't been addressed yet, here's a soft pitch. Uh, with the market turning more towards pre-stained, do you guys think we'll see pre-stained boards becoming more available for us to purchase already stained and ready to install? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Canon, I'm going to tell you that this is an opportunity, right? So Canon's a guy that he's looking towards growth. He's got the growth mindset, but he's also, uh, I mean, he's a facilitator for these ideas. So I, I saw you do this Canon in vinyl, vinyl gates, that sort of thing. I think you can set up a pre-stain operation and offer it in your local area for, you know, in comparison with what you've already got, you know, you brought online, it's going to be probably less cost than what you, uh, what you've stood up already. Um, I, I think it's a great opportunity. We sell a decent amount of pre-stained defense guys in our area um, that just don't have the facilities or they just don't want to, they want the easy solution because they're going to pass that cost on to their customers. So they say, well, give me a price. I'll mark it up, give it to my customers. And if they want it, you guys just stain the boards for me. I'm, they buy our board. They buy their boards from us anyway. So it's like, well, give me another day, and I can dip them for you, and you can offer your customer an upgrade in pre-stain. 
So, but to your question, will he become more available for us in the marketplace? Absolutely. I, I don't see, there's always been manufacturers that, uh, I'm going to put this in air quote, offer pre-stained material. I say it, put it in air quotes because there's been a couple of times before we were pre-dipping that I tried to buy pre-stain and it was like, oh, well, they're out of stock. They'll be in stock in four weeks or five weeks or something. And like, well, I, at the time, like I, this job needs to go in two weeks. So we're, we're not waiting four weeks. Um, but I think so. Kale, what do you think? Well, man, I put my money where my mouth is. We're doing it. We're trying to set distributors up everywhere for pre-stained lumber right now. So if you want to be a dealer for pre-stained lumber, call me. Call me. There you go. Got it. You know, we, we want you to be able to turn around and make money on it and focus on what you do best, build fences. So let's let's kind of sit here for a minute. So talking about uh, your guys' pre-stained, can you talk about gopher wood for a little bit? Or would you yeah. like to talk about gopher wood for a little bit? I hadn't planned on it, but I can't. Um, so we started for that. Yeah. So, so we started pre-staining several years ago and we did quite a few jobs for like, we did a couple of air force bases. So pretty sizable jobs, um, bought the big equipment to do it. And then we moved to a new facility and didn't have quite enough room for it. So we shut it down. And, uh, so just, I've been slowly, slowly always knowing we were going to kick this back off again, taking my time. And, and, um, the older I get, the more I'm, focused on doing things right. So I think we've, we've taken the time to get it right, but we're, um, we're branding pre-stained lumber. We're producing it in, you know, as a separate company from anything else we do to sure. sell producing pre-stained lumber and then often offering the services to supply houses. So, you know, our goal is to create, produce a great product that, you know, the way we see it is about 2% of the fence industry uses stain mm-hmm. and about 90% of the fence industry uses wood fence pickets. So, <laughs> You know, how do we get more fences to be stained? Well, that's more fences need to be restained. And that's and so a great way we can do that is by producing a good quality pre-stained lumber product. So so that's what we're doing you know, coming to a town near you. So if you're a supplier or something, um, look us up. I mean, we're looking for distributors for it. And uh, sure. hopefully hopefully it'll grow like a weed. Absolutely. For more information, who should uh, somebody reach out to? You can reach out to uh, my office. Um, yep. I've moved Mandy out of service. She's she's heading that division up, so it's a good change Very for good. her. Very she's good. Just, so, but moving. We got, we got truckloads on the ground, stained, ready to go. So, if you want it, holler. Nice, uh, Caleb. He's got Caleb's got a question directly for you. Caleb, me, Kristen, and Charlie are headed to Smyrna right now. How far is that from San Cecil Experts? Thirty minutes. Come and see us. Well, right down the road. See the new place. Justin said he's reached out to Menards this week about providing pre-stained or reached out to him about providing pre-stained fence and decking boards, have a scheduled appointment to discuss further with them about the idea, process and materials to be used. Justin, one thing just right off the bat, one thing my mind goes to is you want to, you're going to want to iron out uh, payment details. Um, payment terms on something from a company like that could be um, a bit prolonged. Bernard's has a reputation. When you when you go in, I have some friends with products in Menards. They have a reputation, so be careful. Yep. Just, Justin's a big guy, though. He's a big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, just and do your own collections, and then that should work like a charm. Again, <laughs> it says we keep it simple. One color, chestnut. I like it. That's the way I look at it. You can have any color you want as long as it's chestnut. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, you don't want to turn a five minute. Turn five minutes into an hour long debate on which color is a perfect color. I absolutely. So usually I just by offering three, like I said, people like choices. I th- 
it's a psychological thing. You always want three. It seemed like so. When you talk to people, how many bids are you getting? I'm getting three bids. How many? They always want three, it seems like. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about choices, do you want a light, a medium, or a dark? My recommendation as a professional is I'd love to give you that medium color. But if you want light, we can do light. If you want dark, you can. So it feels like they have a choice, but it's a pre predetermined set of choice. I'm fine either way. But. But that's true. You can't have a long debate about which ones are, are best. Uh, we use a ton of pecan in central Missouri. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So this is fair. So Cannon was saying you don't want to turn a five-minute upsell into an hour-long debate on which color is perfect. That's mm -hmm. fair. That is absolutely fair. So that's probably like a judge, your, a judge your client sort of thing. If it's somebody that you feel like you could get into a prolonged, then in a lot of times we – so we get into the three colors if they ask what colors are available, you know, nine times out of 10 or eight times out of 10, they don't care. And so it's, it's chestnut. Um, Braden, what is up? Hey guys, hope everyone is doing well. Caleb, I just remembered, I forgot to go look at your new studio. Right. is right down the road from you. Actually, Braden, we ought to hook up um, at FinTech. So we're going to be there here in, at the end of January. Have you guys over. Ken says, uh, you're going post to post. It follows the top row. Oh, so we're talking about following with a jig rather than with a string line. Um, same concept, different tool. KDM, this is a loaded. How do you get the best deals from your vendors? It depends on the... So it's usually relationships, right? It's just forming a relationship, figuring out who values relationships maybe. Um, and, and it's going to vary vendor to vendor is my experience. Um some of them are purely volume-based. Some of them are relationship-based. I think you prove that you can do it before you go to hitting them too hard. You know, hey, give me a price. Here's where we are. And then make two or three big old huge orders. And, and then they go, oh. And then you come back to them and say, hey, maybe we need to discuss more of a market price. For this, yeah. you know? I think, I think and, you know, if, if your vendor's losing money or making nothing on it, like they're not going to give you good service. And then when you need something in a hurry, they're not going to get it to you because we're losing money on this. So you want it to be good for them and good for you. So I think just take care of your vendors, pay them quickly. Yeah. When the money's due, pay them. And if they give you a percent to pay early, pay them early. You build that yeah. relationship and that reputation and um, they'll, they'll, they'll come a time you'll build that up enough to where they, they will bend over backwards for you if you need it. I saw a, uh, an interesting payment term, 1% net 10 or 1% 1 10 net 11. Yeah. So if you pay before 10 days, you can knock a percent off, which, you know, you say, what's a percent? Well, a percent over the course of a year can uh, really add up. Um, but also net 11 means if you can pay us within 10 days, that's fine. If not, it's doing 11. Yeah. And for when I see those terms, so as a, so we manufacture chain link wire, when I see those terms, I'm like, Oh, they are serious about paying me quickly. I I take that off for a little bit. And here's a kind of a pro move on their part. They led with that. Here is our proposed order. Here are our proposed payment terms. Would you provide, could you provide pricing? Mm -hmm. Interesting. And they also said, here's our, our projected annual volume. Okay. So now I know what we're looking at. I can have, I'm looking at a piece of this pie this is their first order. It was a significant order. And here are the terms that we're proposing to pay to you. It's it's a good move. So here's what we buy in a year. 
here's what I'd like my first order to look like. Here's how quickly I'd like to pay you. Can you please provide me pricing? All those percentages add up. Yeah. So Cannon's got a point here. Selling your assets at the at year end only raises your income and your tax liability. So that's a fair point. Uh, so they they could be robbing Peter to pay Paul anyway. You know, they could be selling stuff. So this comment was about selling it at the end of the year to avoid paying property tax on based on what you owe January one. But they're going to have to show it. They're likely going to have to show it as profit anyway. So they'll end up paying it one way or the other, probably. Watch watch video small business owners buying high dollar items and reasoning it with it's deductible. It's funny but true how many out there are running their business with this mindset. Well, it's here's the thing is I think those folks have seen this advice and it's in the right scenario, it's decent advice. Like if if you need to upgrade equipment, this could be the year. Or, you know, but here's the thing is that's usually advice they're getting from their hopefully from their tax professional or their financial advisor or who else is whoever is knowledgeable in this arena um but yeah i think a lot of guys are using that though to justify buying hundred thousand dollar trucks like well i needed a tax deduction like i don't know i don't well, you, know you might i mean because you can take the depreciation but people got to understand it like if you're new in business and if you're new in business you probably really don't need it you probably still need to buy the ten thousand dollar truck well, and so that's the thing. So is it $100,000 truck that you're going to drive or could it be two $50,000 trucks that you could put teams into that can then go generate revenue? It's the same. I mean, from a tax perspective, it's the same. It is. It it's is. It's got to be over a 6,000 pound GB uh, gross yeah. weight. And then it's a, de it's a depreciation and it only really matters is if, if you got a big tax liability, you're trying to, to uh, right. that base tax basis on. So. But my point is the tax advisor was probably telling them to find, to put that money, one, claim the depreciation, bring it all forward to the current year, but put it in something that's going to generate you revenue, right? I, I don't think the advice is ever go buy a $100,000 truck for you. I think the advice would be buy the $10,000 piece of, you know, a tool that you've been wanting that could then, you know, increase your productivity, a $40,000 mini skid that, you know, that would increase productivity, buying assets that generate revenue, assets first liabilities, right? So I think, the, but the airplane said, play. what's that? That's where the airplane comes into play. I know. One day, one day. Think how much I, change you could sell if you had an airplane. You could just get from meeting to meeting to meeting and I get know. home for supper. It's true. That's true. So we had a, um, we had a, uh, a circuit judge come talk to us uh, yesterday or Thursday at, at this lunch group I'm in, and uh, and he's got he's got a 182. He flies around. And I was like, man, I am, I'm je I'm jealous of him for a few reasons. One, he he basically just told funny stories of stuff he had seen in his courtroom, um, but then also like, yeah, and you get to see all this crazy stuff and fly around. That is living the dream, my friend. Now, and like a lot of circuit judges, he he had a very successful private practice that continues to be successful and he's a judge. And so yeah, living the dream, living the dream. Uh, just says he's not afraid to break a leg or fingers when payments are overdue. There you go. The problem. Well, anyway, Braden says for sure. Let me know when you're in town, Braden, I will be sending you a text directly after the show. 
Caleb, per usual, we're at about an hour and a half on a one-hour show. So I, I appreciate you being so giving of your time. Oh. Did we? Is there anything we didn't cover? Is there anything we missed maybe about staining university or just staining in the wintertime in general? Take this time and take this time and learn all the lessons. Sit down and figure out what your core customer is. If you don't know it, figure out what jobs you made money on, what jobs you spun your wheels, what jobs you lost on. And then, then say, Hey, we made money on this type of job. We're really good at those. Let's do more of those jobs and then base your next year on it. Um, sit down and plan your year for marketing. Sit down and plan your year for, uh, you know, each quarter, what are we going to do? What are the numbers? If you don't have a target for your sales team to hit January one, what, what are they going to hit? You know, whatever, whatever the, the wind blows. So I think we need to take this time to prepare. You know, it's, it's a time to be with your family. It's a time to, you get time off, but it is also the blessing of this time is to uh, take time and prepare for your, your following year, prepare for the battle that is about to come. So Get your stuff together and uh, get it figured out. What What's the saying? There's a saying out there that something like luck is a combination of preparation and hard work. You know, or the more you bleed in, on the mats, the less you bleed on the battlefield, right? So yep. I, think, yep. uh, I think that's 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 what we got to do, man. You got to take the time to get this right. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. You reap what you sow. So you got to sow today to reap tomorrow. Yeah. So I've got... Um, a year year in reset scheduled with um, with a business coach and my leadership team on uh, our department heads on the 13th, which is next Wednesday. And then on the 19th, I've got a quarterly planning session with the whole team for uh, for the first quarter of the year. So, um, man, we're putting our money where our mouth is. We're, we're doing this stuff and I think you guys should do it, too. I recommend it. I highly recommend it. In my opinion, it's the best thing you can do for your family. I love it. I love it. Caleb, thank you again. Thanks for you're, seeing us. You're always willing to come on and spend uh, a bunch of time with us. So I, I really appreciate that. I get a lot out of this. I know uh, our viewers do as well. It's a blast, man. Come see yeah, us. If you'd like, yeah. If you'd like to see this in real time, be sure to register for Sandy University coming up about a month. Well, wait, a month and a half or so. February 8th and 9th. Yeah. Yep. February 8th and 9th. It's 60 days from today. So, okay. So two months from today, yep. it's going to be here before you know it. You got it. Guys, I appreciate you watching. For now, Joe Everest, the fence expert, reminding you that good fences make good neighbors. And I'll see you next week.